2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And we in, 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 encourage and invite you, uh, if you're here in person, and even if you're at home, if you feel so uh, comfortable doing so, uh, to please stand with us as we read the scripture today. So again, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word, and I'll be reading the scripture for us, and we will all respond with thanks be to God. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, today's message is called The Life of Grace. And you you all may know that the name of our ministry is Living Grace Ministry. Grace is very important to us. And grace is such a hallmark of the Christian faith um, that we talk about a lot. And grace is just this wonderful thing because, uh, as you may know, uh, if you spend any time in the church, that grace is a gift. It is a gift that is completely undeserved, freely given, right? And maybe y'all, you like gifts. Anyone like a good gift? Yeah, man, I love gifts, you know? And usually we think of opening gifts like, like this, like this picture, this is a stock photo. <laughs> I don't know this person, but, you know, like you're opening this gift and you're just like, oh, yo, I love getting gifts, man. It's why I love getting packages. You know, sometimes I just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I, I need all the stuff I, I order, probably. But I wonder if just deep down, subconsciously, I order things because I just like gifts, you know, and it just feels like, man, I get excited even when, like, like I have no packages coming. I get excited by just seeing the, the mail person in, in, in their van, you know, just, just driving around our neighborhood. And I'm just like, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going to get a gift. And, like, maybe that's the way you feel. You're just like, oh, gift. You know, you get a package. Or, you know, can you imagine that the gift is, like, ornamentally wrapped? Like, the box is so cute. It's got a little bow on it. You know, and, and someone gives it to you, you're like, oh my gosh, this could be anything, but I feel like it's going to be good, right? Has anyone ever given you a gift, beautifully ornamented and wrapped, and you opened it, and inside was a steaming pile of dog poop? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> and some of you guys, are, I, I don't know why that's like, like it's, there's like a stunned silence in here. <laughs> Has that happened to you? Maybe, I, I don't know. You guys have some you know, messed up friends if that's ever happened. That never happens, right? You get a gift and you can almost be assured it's something good, right? And that's the way we feel about grace. It's always going to be something good or we wouldn't call it grace. We wouldn't call it a gift. We would call it a trap. We would call it a curse. We would call it something else. And yet... Something that we can't escape in the Christian life is grace does not always look like this beautifully ornamented, wrapped gift. It doesn't. And when you look at scripture and when you look at people who have been faithfully living a life of grace, what you see 
is oftentimes their lives are filled with hardships, persecution, difficulties, all kinds of stuff. Sickness, weakness, pain, suffering, right? I mean, yo, the Son of God, right? Jesus, look at his life. You know, we sing this song in the church sometimes about Jesus. Uh, right around this time, around Lent and as we go into Good Friday, man of sorrows, lamb of God, right? Man of sorrows. And friends, we see that throughout life. There are many, many uh, Christ followers, faithful, faithful saints, men and women who have been following God and living a life of grace. And their lives are filled with sorrow and suffering. Why? You know why? Because life is filled with sorrow. Right? On this plane of existence, right, we know there will be difficulty. That's practically the promise. And unfortunately, I think sometimes we absorb this gospel, uh, uh, this, this good news, which I believe is a false gospel. And the idea is that if you believe in Jesus, you will never befall any trouble, sorrow, suffering, pain in your life. And so the, the problem with this, friends, is that you all know that ain't true, right? I mean, seriously, I, you know, I, I, I broke my wrist the morning that I was supposed to be going to, um, <laughs> we've been having these like uh, vision meetings for LGM. And it's been a really cool thing. We actually had one yesterday. Um, but the, the morning that uh, uh, we were supposed to have the previous one, this was in like the, the second week of February, right? I was like walking my dog and I was like seriously like thinking about like, okay, like, you know, uh, this is what we're going to talk about today. I was like getting excited. I was getting hyped. And then I stepped on that ice and woo! And just boom, man, I went down and I've shared this before, but I, I just want you all to know, I don't know that I've ever been in that much pain. It was... It was terrible. Oh, my gosh. Now, was God supposed to protect me from that? From gravity? From physics? <laughs> right? Was God supposed to protect me from that? And maybe some of us, you know, you, you, you break something. Or something else happens to you. You're in pain. You're suffering. And usually, this is the, the, the cry of a person who has in some way absorbed this false gospel. We say, why, God, I thought you loved me. This is the false gospel. Right? This gospel, that, uh, this belief that if you believe in God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. You'll never suffer. That's not promised. It is practically promised, right? I mean, Jesus would even say, if you follow me, you're going to get persecuted. Right? It, it's almost a promise, that you are going to go through suffering. I mean, it's just the condition of life, right? And yes, I do want to highlight, and I do want to just kind of throw this out there. It's important to say that there is also a promise that there will be a time where there's no more tears, no more, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more cancer. But that day has not come yet. It's going to come. You can believe it. You can bank your life on it. But it hasn't come yet. Right? And so we go through life and we can have a life of grace. But it's not always going to be like you open up grace and it's like, this is something that is just something I wanted because this is the thing. 
the life of grace may not always be something that you naturally want. So I want to talk about today. uh, I read this book recently by Hannah Whitehall-Smith, who um, was a, uh, she was a speaker and an author in in the holiness movement in America, uh, in New England, uh, prominently in the 19th century. So like, like, uh, like, 1800s, mainly around that time. Uh, But she wrote this book that is actually amazingly easy to read. Uh, I would highly recommend it. If if you hear anything today and you you, want to hear more, it's a very short book, but it's very, very readable. Uh, And sometimes you you think a book from the 19th century, there's going to be a lot of these and thous, and it'll be hard to read. But this book, very, very easy to read. It's called The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. I forgot to throw up, I usually throw up the title there, so... You can take a snapshot if you want to get the book at some point. Um, it's, it's a very, very easy book to find. Actually, you can find the entire text online. I think uh, it, it's like you know one of these books that isn't like really copyrighted, and so you can find the entire book online um, for free. But The Christian Secret of a Happy Life, in it, there's a chapter uh, towards the end that talks about something that Hannah Whitehall Smith calls uh, the chariots of God. And, and so she uses this metaphor of like Elijah, you know, getting on this chariot and the chariot brings him straight into heaven, right? It's one of the most extraordinary scenes that like, it's just weird kind of like, it's like Elijah gets into some kind of chariot. Was it like an actual metal chariot? I don't know, right? And the chariot just flies into heaven. How did that happen? Did the, the horses have wings? Was it like, like a spiritual chariot? We're not told, but it's like this, this chariot of flames and just flies into heaven. But Hannah uh, Whitehall-Smith uses that as a metaphor. And so she talks about this. And, and most commonly, I think, especially in the Methodist tradition, we would call what she describes as, as a, a, a chariot that flies into heaven as a means of grace, so this is something I actually talked about in, in our uh, membership class, that uh, one of the, the beliefs, uh, it, I mean, you know, it's not unique to Methodists, but we believe that kind of the Christian disciplines that you practice, like prayer and reading the Bible, it's not about your effort or it's not about like you doing it, like, oh my gosh, because I prayed, you know, like God is rewarding me for that. But it's a means of grace. It's almost like grace is like falling out of the heavens, and we just need a way to cup our hands and to receive it. And so prayer and reading scripture and worship and, and you know, fellowship and accountability and discipleship, all these things are ways of cupping your hands and receiving this grace. And Hannah Whitehall-Smith also talks about that. But she has said, uh, it has been well said that earthly cares are a heavenly discipline. However, they are even something better than discipline. They are God's chariots sent to take the soul to its high places of triumph. So when she talks about earthly cares, she's talking about trouble. She's talking about suffering. She's talking about difficulties in life, right? So she's saying they are God's chariots sent to take the soul to its high places of triumph. So think about Elijah getting in that chariot and just flying up to the heavens, right? That's what she's saying our difficulties can be. She says they do not look like chariots. Instead, they look like enemies, sufferings, trials, defeats, misunderstandings, disappointments, unkindness. They look like misery and wretchedness, 
waiting to roll over us and crush us into the earth. But if, if, could we see them as they really are, we would recognize them as chariots of triumph in which we may ride to those heights of victory for which our souls have been longing and praying. And so, friends, she basically says, uh, uh, just it, it, not in this passage, but in other parts of her book, she talks about um, every trial that you face can be one of two things. It can be something that crushes you, or it can be something that helps you to achieve spiritual victory, right? That something that flies you to the heavens, metaphorically, right? So it can either crush you, or it can bring you closer to God, right? And this is the thing, that anything in life can be this, right? But in many ways, we have the opportunity to choose which one that's going to be for us. And so, friends, you're going to see this in uh, the passage that we read uh, with Paul. So Paul is talking about, um, a, 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 like, like he's, he's saying that there is, before he, 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 the, the passage that we read today, um, he said that he knew somebody. Actually, people think that Paul is just talking about himself, but he just doesn't want to brag. But he says that he knows someone that experienced these like crazy spiritual visions that, that was like taken up into the heavens. So like, seriously, think about just what Hannah Whitehall Smith said, right? Like flying up to the heavens. So this person experienced these ecstatic spiritual visions, these experiences where it's just like, right, spiritual high. Have you guys ever been to a retreat and you just feel like you're kind of being transported to the throne room of heaven? You know, you just feel like, like just the world is dropping away and you're just with God. That's kind of what's going on here. And Paul is like, yo, I have some people, I know some people who have experienced that. But I'm not going to boast about that. I'm going to boast about something else. I'm going to talk about something else as being more important in some ways. And this is what he says. He says, um, to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. This is why we think it was actually Paul, right? He's like, there was something that happened that was trying to help me from becoming conceited. Now, the word conceited in the Greek, it means exalted, right? Because maybe there is a way in Paul, you know, and, and I don't know about you guys, but maybe this happens to you too, when you experience victory, triumph, good things, blessings, and you start to think, hey, maybe it's not God that's great. <laughs> maybe I'm great. And I think Paul recognized that maybe that was happening to him. He's like, man, I'm so spiritual. You ever feel that? You know, you read the Bible, you're like, man, I'm so good at this. <laughs> you know, you're praying like, I prayed for 15 whole minutes. I'm so holy. And it starts becoming about you. And you start thinking that you're the awesome one. Or maybe there's a blessing that happens in your life. And you're just like, wow, God is just giving me so much favor. Mm. <laughs> I'm so special, you know? And Paul's like, Maybe to keep me from becoming conceited because of the greatness of the revelations I've had in my life, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Guys, this is very interesting. Uh, take a look at this. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now, the word Satan means opponent, accuser, right? Think about like, like if you had a trial and there was somebody who was like, like a lawyer who was defending you. And then on the other side, you have a prosecutor. 
You have someone who's trying to take you down. That's what Satan implies, right? And so definitely, we think of this spiritual being that is evil and that is trying to ruin you, right? And so that's what Paul is saying, is what was sent to me was a messenger of Satan. Now, there's many of us that at this point would be like, yo, this is not good, right? You would receive that and you would be like, "Mm, no, 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 Satan, no. Get behind me, Satan, right? But look at what Paul says, right? And and by the way, we think of Satan as being like very powerful, right? And, And to be feared. But what Paul seems to be implying is God's grace is still even able to use an attack from Satan. Check this out. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming exalted. So I think what Paul's saying here is what was meant for destruction, God was able to use to humble him. It was used for good, right? And friends, I, I think in many ways, you know, we don't always think about that. But there is a purpose, or there can be a purpose in our sufferings. Now, remember what uh, Hannah Smith said, that it can be one of two things. It can crush you. And there are definitely times where it does crush us. So either it's like you're trying to fight it, you despair, or you run from it, right? You fight it, you despair, or you run from it. Maybe some of y'all, you're in the habit of like... um, you know, when you're under trials, like, you really, really want to take a nap, you know? You really, really want to procrastinate. You know, you really, really want to jump on Insta and just get lost, right? And, and to me, I think that is also running. There's something we don't want to face. We, we, we look at the, the trials and the difficulties in life, and we say, nope, Right? And we say, nope, when we despair. We're like, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? <laughs> no. Or, you know, you try to fight it. You're like, mm, I'm going to control this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to muster up my resources to try to figure out how to keep this from ever happening again. Any perfectionists in here? I think this is one of the main ways many of us try to control suffering in our lives. Right? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we should be unwise, right? I mean, there's a whole other message we could give about wisdom, right, and godly wisdom, and not being foolish, right? Not just being like, I'm going to walk into traffic and it's going to be okay. No, 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 no. Of course, you know, like, like you, you have to take care in life because God has given us the responsibility of our own lives. But at the same time, friends, I think there are many of us that we think we can head off suffering at every pass, We can muster enough resources, right? And the problem with this is you are not turning to God. And so something is happening in your soul that you are not getting access to grace. Why? Why? Because the grace can only come from God. And many of us, I think, I hope this isn't too strong, we're resisting grace. I don't need it because I'm prepared. I don't need it because I got this, my own resources. So this is what uh, Hannah Whitehall Smith says. She says, our constant temptation is to trust in earthly resources. We can see them. They are 
tangible and real and look substantial while God's chariots are invisible and intangible. And it is hard to believe they are there. So this is the problem, is that God's grace cannot be seen. What you can see is the triumphs, right? But God's resources to help see you through that is something that's invisible, right? But if I, you know, try to devise a, a, a solution on my own, oftentimes I can touch that. I can see that, right? And it is visible. And so we turn to that before we turn to God, right? Even things like complaining, right? Or running or taking a nap or, you know, distracting ourselves. All of these things are tangible to us in a way that spiritual resources are not, right? And so she says we often depend first on one thing and then on another to advance our spiritual condition and to gain our spiritual victories. We go down to Egypt for help. So uh, Hannah Whitehall Smith is is, uh, referencing a time when Israel did not rely upon God, but they went down and they tried to seek human help on their own, right? And that's what we try to do, right? And so maybe, you know, you're having a hard time and we go and we complain to other people and we're not doing the one thing that probably would be the most helpful, is we don't turn to God, right? We don't ask God for that help. And so it says, and God is often obliged to destroy all our own earthly chariots before he can bring us to the point of climbing into his. Guys, that is so good. I'm going to read it again. But yo, I I want you guys to hear what she's saying here. God is often obliged to destroy all our own earthly chariots before he can bring us to the point of climbing into his. Yo, there are so many times where, you know, you might have something that you thought was a great help to you. You know, maybe you had like a community that you just really relied upon, you know, and and then God calls you to move to a new city. No longer do you have that small group. No longer do you have that church. No longer do you have those friends who are there for you. And now you're alone. It's very, very tempting to be like, either to just be like, God, what the heck? Why did you bring me out of this good situation? It was so good. I was growing. I was supported. Why would you bring me to a place where I'm alone? I remember there was a time where uh, one of uh, the kids in my youth group, uh, he had a group of friends that, that, I mean, these guys were his brothers. I mean, he really, really loved these guys. The problem is, is that, he, he, he was running with, like, a really violent crowd. And at one point, um, it, you know, they, they, like, like, I think they just kind of thought of themselves as being gangsters. They weren't. <laughs> but they would run into other crews, and sometimes, right, like, somebody would, like, kind of front. And one of his friends was like, hey, man, um, I want to give you something. And what he wanted to give him was a gun. And he was like, whoa, 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 what the heck, right? This is true. This is one of my youth group kids uh, back in the day. And so he felt called to leave that community, right? And so during that time, um, you know, I was trying to pray for him and be with him. And I remember one time, it was Friday night, and this is prime time for him to hang out with his boys, right? And he calls me up, his youth pastor. He's like, Pastor Steve, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Hey, man, let's hang out. And so we went, and I don't know how we ended up. We were at a playground, like on the swings. It's so sad. Friday night, he's hanging out with his youth pastor. 
And we're just swinging on the swings, and he just breaks down, and he starts crying. He's like, Pastor Steve, this is so hard. I, I mean, I had all these friends, and now I have nothing. What do we think about that situation? Do we look at that, and we're like, yo, God, why would you do that to him? Or what we look at as what Hannah Whitehall Smith is saying, God is often obliged to destroy all our own earthly chariots before he can bring us to the point of climbing into his. And man, it was rough on this brother. I'm not going to lie. He was so lonely. He was in pain. I just want to fast forward. This was like over 20 years ago. And this man is a pastor, and he's still faithfully serving the Lord to this day. Guys, there might be times where it looks like God is taking things from you. But we have a choice to make, right? Are we going to accept that as grace or are we going to let it crush us and roll over us? This is Paul, right? Paul talks about his process here. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So again, this is the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Nobody really knows what it is. Some people think it was some kind of physical ailment. That, that was plaguing Paul. Like, like he, because if you guys remember with Paul's life, there were many times where he actually was stoned. He would go into a city and uh, there were some situations where you know, people would convert to Christianity, but they would get rid of their idols. And the people making those idols are like, what? You're getting rid of our source of income. And they were mad and they were angry and they came after Paul with violence. And so some people think that maybe some of those attacks that Paul suffered, I mean, yo, that stays with you. And maybe he just had some permanent pain that would never go away till the day he died. And he's like, God, this is so painful. Or maybe, maybe, like we said, there were people who didn't like that Paul was doing this stuff. And they tormented him and they harassed him. And maybe there's someone who just kept following Paul around. It's like, I'm going to end you. I'm going to make your life miserable. I'm never going to stop until you go down. Maybe that was the messenger of Satan. We don't know what it was. Maybe it was sadness or depression that was lingering over Paul. Maybe it was crippling anxiety. We don't know. And I kind of like that we don't because, friends, I don't know what you're going through. But we all go through something, right? Whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be relational, Right? You all have thorns in your flesh. And so Paul, he himself, he confesses. He's like, I pleaded with God. I begged God, take it away. Right? I thought you loved me. Why would you want me to be in this excruciating pain? But this is what the Lord said to Paul. Verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. Guys, you guys see that? It's God's grace. God's grace through the gift of suffering. Oh my gosh. I mean, the suffering itself isn't the gift, but it's the grace that comes with it. When we learn that we cannot do it on our own. This is the thing. Many of us, right? Many, many people, when everything's going great, we stop praying, right? We stop going to church. Stop reading the Bible. We stop clinging to God, right? Because we start becoming under the impression, I'm exalted, I'm great, I'm fine, right? 
But in this situation, Paul was like, man, Jesus, I need you. I need to cling to you. There is no way I can do this on my own. And this was the message. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's only when Paul could be broken, when all the earthly things that he was relying upon were stripped away from him, that he could finally see the only way he could get through was by the power of God. It had to be grace. It had to be grace. And Paul could be under no illusion that it was anything but the grace of God. And so he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Guys, uh, in the scripture, is even more, uh, in the Greek, it's even more clear what Paul is saying. He's saying, I will take pleasure in my weaknesses. Right? This is what it means that, that, that I, I will be glad about my weaknesses. I will take pleasure in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Guys, in the Greek, it doesn't say strong. It says, for when I am weak, then I am powerful. When I am weak, then I am powerful. Yo, guys, I know this, this sounds so weird, and it's not the way we normally think about life. This is the thing. Life is going to happen to you. And like Hannah Smith says, you have a choice. Is it going to crush you, or is it going to fly you to heaven? And the choice is whether or not we accept that, right? It doesn't always have to be a big thing, Right? But sometimes it's like kind of like the little things. So I have this, uh, <laughs> this thing that, that just really, really bothers me. Um, it's like in driving. So it drives me crazy when other people are not considerate driving, right? Like when someone like cuts you off, when they go when it's not their turn. And there is this particular spot that I encounter every day, and it literally would bring me anxiety. <laughs> it's this four-way stop that's right by uh, my, uh, my youngest kid's school because I drop her off in the morning every day and I go pick her up every day. So every day, I have to go by this four-way stop four times, right? Because I got to go in, you know, drop off and then go back out, right? And then I got to go in and pick up and then I got to go back out. So four times, I have to encounter this. And it's usually around the time where a lot of people are coming in to also pick up and drop off their kids. So there's lots of traffic. And it would just drive me crazy. I don't know what's going on. But every time I would go there, there would be someone who like makes one of those rolling stops and they just go, right? And it would drive me crazy. I'd like lay on my horn. I mean, it seriously would like mess me up for like 10 minutes. I'm like, it's not your turn, you know? And th- there's this thing that's been happening to me where just in my heart, I would hear people talk about this kind of thing, right? You have a choice. Is it gonna crush you? Or are you going to accept it and let it be God's grace to you? And so I started to think of this four-way stop that I have to encounter four times a day as a place where I can encounter the grace of God, right? And so when I roll up to this stop, I'm like, for one, I just accepted the fact that it's going to happen. Sometimes I literally would go, like, there's another way I can go home, but it takes, like, 10 minutes longer, (laughs) But I would do it sometimes because I really, really, really wanted to avoid this four-way stop. I know it sounds silly, 
But friends, it's just this everyday thing, this everyday annoyance, and it seriously, it, it, just, it just would make me mad. You know, and, and, but there's this thing where, where I go there and I'm like, this is my opportunity, right? To just accept it, to accept that this is gonna happen. And if someone goes ahead of me, right? To be able to let that go, right? And to, to just be able to receive God's grace and being able to forgive and let those things go, right? And so that's what I try to practice every day. But there's a difference. There's something that happens when you accept it, right? Because you, you're hearing this and you're like, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Steve, what is the difference, right? How do we know it's either grace or it's crushing us? And the difference is acceptance. Are you going to accept it as a gift or are you going to fight or run from it, right? And most of us choose to fight or run from it instead of just to say, okay, this is grace. God, I will receive it, right? And so Hannah Whitehall-Smith talks about this idea of accepting it completely, not being half-hearted. So she says, moreover, you must not be half-hearted about it. You must climb completely into your chariot, not with one foot dragging on the ground. There must be no ifs or buts or supposings or questionings. You must accept God's will fully and must hide yourself in the arms of his love, always underneath to receive you in every circumstance and at every moment say, thy will be done, thy will be done, over and over, shut out every other thought but the one thought of submitting to his will and trusting in his love. There can be no trials in which God's will does not have a place. The soul only has to climb into his will as in a chariot, and it will find itself riding upon the heavens with God in a way it had never dreamed possible. If you can accept it, right? Maybe there's somebody that you encounter every day, your workplace or some, something, and that person is so annoying, you can't stand them. Every morning they come up to you and they're like, hey, how was your morning? My morning was great. And you're like, I want to punch you in the face, right? And just sometimes if you're being honest, you, you, you work really hard to avoid them. They're like, they come in at 8.05, I'm coming in at 8.02 and then I'm going to close my door so they can't, right? Like, like we work around that, right? But what if we accepted that? And we said, that will be done, 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 that will be done. You accept it. This is an opportunity for God's grace. And when you accept it, crazy thing happens. Crazy thing happens. The resources of heaven are emptied to help you and meet you. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's still sometimes I go to that four-way stop and, and you know, someone does something jerky and I need to learn how to forgive and let it go. But I got to tell you, I don't know if it's just perception but since I made that decision, I'm going to accept this. This is a means of grace, right? Your will be done. Your will be done. Since I made that decision, I experience it far less. I really do, right? There's so many times I get to that four-way stop, and I'm completely at peace, you know? Even with joy, I would say. And, and, and I would, like, get so nervous that I, I would be like, first opportunity, just gun it, like, just... <gasps> You know, but I can just kind of take my time, just take it easy, you know? And, and I really do believe in many ways when you say yes, God's grace will work for you, right? But in many ways, we are resisting God's grace when we are trying to do it on our own. So friends, I, I, I want to end with this. 
Remember, we started, uh, can, can we just go to the very beginning? You guys see? We started with thinking that grace looks like this, <laughs> right? It's a present, it's beautiful, it's wrapped, right? It's something that just objectively you're going to look at and just instantly want it and like it and all of that, right? But we're, this is where we end up, friends. This is the gift of grace. What is the ultimate gift of grace? But Jesus going to the cross for us. And you guys remember, Jesus didn't want it either. Well, at least a part of him, right? Because Jesus was fully man and fully God. So there's a part of him that, I mean, it's not too crazy to imagine. Didn't enjoy being pierced by thorns. Didn't enjoy having nails in his hands and being hung to a cross naked and humiliated and people spitting on him. You have to imagine there's a part of him that did not enjoy that. And yet he accepted it. Not my will, but yours be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. Friends, um, this is our faith. That we have a God who knows suffering. And he sent his son, and his son went right through it. He didn't fight it. He didn't run from it. He accepted it. And God's grace poured through that sacrificial act more powerfully than probably anything before in creation. It saves all of us. And it redeems all of our suffering too. And if you know that we have a God that could bring about life after death, Jesus was resurrected after the crucifixion. And by his sacrifice, every single person in creation can be forgiven of their sins. My goodness, guys, it's so powerful. It's so great. And so Christians throughout the ages who have understood that, yes, we live in a reality where there's going to be suffering, there's going to be difficulty. You can't avoid that. But they also believe in the cross and the resurrection. And they're like, man, we have resources here. We have grace. We can walk through it. And there are Christians that people would be like, if you renounce your faith, if you don't renounce your faith, we're going to kill you. And they're like, bring it on. Bring it on. What can you do to us? We have every resource of heaven available to us through grace, and they've embraced it. So they live their lives completely unafraid, completely believing in the goodness of God. I want to ask the praise team to come up. And friends, I just want you to imagine, you know, maybe there's a recent thing that has happened in your life. I'm not here to revisit it because you can't go in the past, but I just want you to think about a time that you resisted pain and suffering. He's like, no, no, I don't want this to happen to me. God, why? Why is this happening to me? And I want you to imagine for a moment that it happens again. This is actually one of the blessings of having a kind of suffering in your life that happens regularly. I know most of us, we don't think of it this way. We don't think of it as a blessing. Like, man, if it just happens every once in a while, I can just kind of get over it, right? happens every day. God, why would you put me through that? But I think it is so that you can receive even more grace. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? And so friends, just if if you want to, um, I I don't want to manufacture a moment, but if you want to, I, I think that there is kind of a universal way of praying where you are receiving, you are accepting, and it is palms up. If you want to pray with your palms up, 
to say, God, I receive and I accept your grace in whatever form it comes. Even if it comes by the means of the suffering I may experience in life, if there's a difficulty, if there's a trial, Lord, I am believing that you are there in the midst of that. I will learn to rely upon you that much more. I will learn, God, that you are powerful in my weakness. When I'm able to let go, when I'm able to say, God, you be God, I'm not gonna be God, I'm going to release that to you, Lord. I'm going to trust in your goodness even though I may not be able to understand it. Friends, you don't need to understand it. So, so many of us were like, God, if you just told me why, if you just told me why I had to suffer, then I would understand. Friends, that's an attempt to control. You're still trying to be God. You've got to let go. Just accept it. Receive it with both hands, with open hands. Receive the resources of heaven. He wants to fly you to the heavens may experience more grace, that you can become like his son. You can learn and have the fruits of the spirit evident in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that can be flowing from your life when we learn how to accept our pain and receive God's grace. Some of you are hearing this, and man, you're in pain. What you're going through is really, really, really painful. Friends, we are not here to minimize your pain. I, I, I really, I really, really believe that God wants you to hear this. He understands, friends. He's not putting you through this or letting you endure it because he hates you, because he wants you to suffer wants you to know his grace is available to you. His own son went through unimaginable suffering, but unimaginable good came through it. There is grace that is available to you now. He wants you to know you are not alone, and he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.